Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real play podcast loosely based on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I'm your host slash Crypt Keeper. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaron, and I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. And I'm cooking now, y'all. <laughs> it's been an exciting couple of days. I've got a book. I wrote a song. Been a while since I've had the chance to do that. Uh, and at the minor, minor cost of my vision, uh, <laughs> I've enhanced it into a beautiful duet, which I'm going to have Larry's full cooperative mm. help in securing the voice for. I love drafting talent. <laughs> oh, he's never been called that before. <laughs> the voice was the talent. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Grayson. I play Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, the party's rogue. Uh, last episode, Jack was completely and 100% exhausted. Well, maybe not 100%, more like three levels. So went on a little bit of a shopping trip. And then decided to collapse into a heap at like a bar table or whatever, hoping to get like a little bit of sleep. And of course, uh, wakes up in a bloody mess. He, he was a little shell shocked dealing with a little bit of the effects of, I don't know, a special book that was just <laughs> in the corner, you know, just like sponge bobbing all the blood. Bobbing. <laughs> and then. Bobbing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like sucking it up. Oh. I think it's just the sponge part, bud. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bob part was not necessary. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, after that, uh, it just got even more interesting. Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock, and... Uh... <laughs> that's, that's a recap. <laughs> that's it. That's recap. You can stop it there. You're good. Say no more. Last time. Last time. Oh, no. Things are so bad. Things are so bad. But I think they're only going to get worse. <laughs> so, we... I, you know, I talked with Mary. Uh, we had a really good conversation about the book and kind of like our mentality of using it in the future. Uh, we just had to get it back from some of our wily friends and things got worse. Next thing we know, we hear shouting and screaming. We run to the scene and we see our good old buddy, our pal or mine, um, covered in blood. In a room with a lot of dead people that were uh, very definitively members of the town. And then very quickly afterwards had the rest of the town surrounding us, seeing us at this crime scene. Mary managed to miraculously talk everybody down, talk it through with Gonzo, strike up a deal with them. We just got to get the book back to them within a week and then uh, our conscience will be cleared. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not betting my money on that. Uh, I think it's say goodbye to Stratford. But... In the midst of all that, I was like, well, shoot, we got to make sure our whole team is updated on everything happening. So I went over. I said hello to Phantom. He was very scary. Just having a nice time making some tea. And I was like, I need our team to work together. I need us all to trust each other. I know I've got my doubts about this guy, but you know what? I'm just gonna... Oh, what's the word? Just, you know... 
put my faith into him. I've got my reservations, but I'm just going to put that aside and go forward and try and see what we can do in Windsor. Yeah, it's it's crazy the things that go on when we don't have Daniel. Daniel, come back. Oh, yeah. Things are so bad. <laughs> but hey, we've got him back now. So, uh, Daniel, how are things going in hell now that you're back this week? Uh, hi, my name is Daniel Cruz. I'm playing Imhotep, the mummy, currently in hell. I want to start by saying uh, I got to listen to the episode. Oh. <laughs> I'm gone for 10 minutes. What the fuck? <laughs> but Imhotep has pushed his way through Kania again after meeting with a certain slimy creature. <laughs> has been given a brand new curse. It is actually the worst thing. But Imhotep has met up with Balzabul and has decided to think about making a deal with a devil. Yeah. We're still in the air on that one, though. Yeah. And we're, we're going to continue running up that hill, <laughs> keep running up that road. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bev Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein, our barbarian paladin. And last time, after somewhat securing some trust from Gonzo about not causing any more problems in Stratford, one of us, I'm not naming names, butcher, <laughs> decided to get all stabby-stabby, even though it wasn't his fault, he wasn't conscious for it, it was all the Necronomicon's fault. Now we're in a bit of a pickle. If we want the undead to continue living in Stratford, then I have to, after we're done with Phantom's thing, I have to give the book back to Gonzo, which is going to be really hard. I'm not looking forward to that conversation with the two of these guys. I'm like, I just made a deal. We're all trying to make things better now. I just wrangled some weasels. <laughs> but apparently the universe said, no, here's another problem on top of another problem. All right. And with that, let's see how much worse things can get. Imhotep, as you are making your way out of the metropolis that is Maladomini, you make your way through the gilded doors, through the cityscape that is simultaneously a bit too pleasant to believe and exactly what it appears to be. And you make your way outside of that cave system out onto the surface of Maladomini mm -hmm. to find a long stretch of what I can best describe as brimstone that is hastily wood paneled together into a rickety wooden platform that spirals up indefinitely far. And you can feel the peering eyes of several imps all just sort of gathered along the edges of a cliff face up above you as these stairs spiral up towards them, just watching chittering to themselves and enjoying your suffering. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Imhotep is pushing the boulder, kind of giving these imps some side-eye. Why is every place here so desolate? Except for that one place. Like, you know what? That, that last place was kind of nice, but everything else is so desolate. You are all so rude. <laughs> Nobody helps me. And he's just grumbling and griping as he's pushing the boulder still. <laughs> Each of these little imps on the outset that are staring down at you are chuckling to themselves and taking turns, grouping up together, flapping their wings slightly to make a breeze to make the boulder tilt very treacherously one way or the other. 
runs to one side and kind of like has to shove it back into place. I'm not going to say anything. I have nothing nice to say. I will not say it. He's going to keep pushing. You have nothing nice to say. Say nothing at all. You have nothing but lies to say, so say nothing at all. Exactly. But eventually, as you strain and groan and push your way up these stairs, this boulder treacherously tipping back and forth, pushing up against you as these little gusts of wind from these admittedly very tiny wings all clustered together Mm -hmm. annoy you, but don't cause you any serious sort of impasse. You are eventually able to scale your way up all the way through the spiral rickety stairway towards where the mountain starts to get a bit more bleak and the temperature begins to spike. Before I make my way up, I'm going to turn around and look at the imps and just stick my tongue out at them. (laughs) Got (laughs) him. That's it. And after you're done sticking your tongue out at them, uh, what was that? I was just going to do something stupid. Do something stupid. Oh, hey, that guy knows the the secret handshake. We should should totally let him in our club. <laughs> the secret handshake of sticking out your tongue. Exactly. No one would guess it. <laughs> I do not think I would like to be a part of your club. I am touched that you would offer, but you are kind of being. Hey, hey wouldn't you know that's the first prerequisite for getting in the club? All right, everybody, get him! <laughs> and all of the imps leap down, fly towards you at once, surround you, lift you up, what? and throw you into the air. The boulder begins to backslide down. No, wait, put me down, put me down, put me down, put me down. And they all start sticking out their tongues at you in unison, pointing, laughing, tossing you up limit a time as you spin, 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 and you can feel a little bit of sulfur just accumulating all over your skin as you're being tossed around through this musty air. And... Eventually, they throw you to the ground, scatter, and all from the perches stick their tongues out at you. <laughs> Imhotep, whose beautiful golden ponytails are now like tousled, just like <laughs> I know, just just frayed. <laughs> <sighs> he looks to see where the boulder is. Is it still like in here? Do I have to go back in the hole, a whole another layer to go get it? Where it has rolled to at this point, it has very slowly started to build momentum as it is rolling back through the caves of Maladomini. Uh, so he's sprinting down to catch up with it. Hey, don't you want to be a part of our club? <laughs> Absolutely. I had the best time. I'll see you in a little bit. Brother, why don't you come and join us when you can? We'll be waiting for you when you come on back. Delightful. Eventually, you are able to catch back up with the boulder. You stop it at the cave mouth entrance to Maladomini, where all of the storms of Kania are still swirling their way up, and all of the ice devils are still just finishing their conversation and argument between themselves. All right, I think I understand the intricacies and nuances of this whole thing. So he can lie. He has to lie. It's not... I... I, I, I guess I just didn't understand this as well as I thought I did. Listen, it's really, it's all very simple. He has to lie unless we ask him about the curse. So at, at least that's what I think is going you on. idiot, then why was he lying about all these other things? We asked him about the curse, and then he just didn't answer. I'm just going to push the boulder without engaging. <laughs> <laughs> and they do not even notice you. Dan, I'm glad you have all these wonderful NPCs. Emotep is not going to engage with the bulk of that. If <laughs> he can help it. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And you push your way back through 
all of the inner workings of Maladomini back out to the surface where the brimstone rocks are hastily wood paneled over. You push your way all the way back past the imps that are spiraling around you, sticking their tongues out and getting ready for another swing. Uh, I don't know if I want to piss them off. <laughs> That's the question. Oh, uh, I, I'm going to just be like, I appreciate the clubness. Um, I have an errand I am currently running. When I am finished, I will come right back and we can do more fun club activities. No need to worry about that. When you're finished, we'll come to you. <laughs> Great. And you just stick out your tongue and we're going to be right there for you. We are literally everywhere here in hell. <laughs> and as you push your way up these stairs, oh. the mountains start to solidify. The smell of sulfur gets stronger and the temperature sharply rises as... This wooden pathway gives way to a very loose, very narrow mountain cliffside that is run through by these flowing rivers of lava pouring out of Malbolgi as you are starting to approach the prison lair and making your way up the path you are greeted by the sound of chains rattling back and forth. As you look around you, you can see that there are cages that are hanging down, elevated off the cliffside. As lava flows periodically continue to pour through them, and rocks and boulders, not dissimilar from the one you are pushing, at regular intervals buffet them and prevent any of the prisoners inside from getting any moments of respite. Mm -hmm. And through each of those lava flows are several melted and congealed remains of tormented souls as these lemurs pour through at an accelerated rate and regularly pass by you. Their melted, desperate eyes make contact with you as they fall down the cliffside past you with these lava spurts and reach out a withered, melted hand for help before plummeting past you before you have even time to react. So the first one is going to absolutely horrify him because this is the first time that I'm actually, that Emotep is like really seeing the damned being punished, you know? And knowing that he can't do anything for them, he's going to kind of whisper a prayer Aww. for the first one that he saw in particular. And he's going to kind of put his head down and just kind of keep trucking along. He's going to kind of keep repeating this whispered prayer as he's pushing the boulder. He's so good. Say he's such a good guy. Inspiration. Awesome. And as you are pushing this boulder, you are confronting the path of one of these lava flows. I'm going to need you to do something to be able to get over the lava. How would you like to approach this? Might I suggest cartoon hop on the boulder log roll it? <laughs> nah, that wouldn't work. Not in this campaign. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I was looking at, I have the spell stone shape. But it's a size medium or smaller. It has to be size medium or smaller. So I can't use stone shape on that. Um, you know what? Let's cartoon this and jump up on top of the boulder and log roll it, I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Alright, roll either athletics or acrobatics. Oh, all oh, good. Crit fail. No! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, can I use my inspiration for that? Go for it. 
Okay, crit success. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. with a nat 20, that's going to go infinitely better than a nat 1. <laughs> what were you going to have it do? I, I have to um, know. I was going to have you jump on top of the boulder. Um, you don't get your feet. You slip, fall forward. The boulder rolls over you, pushes you into the lava. You die. Boulder rolls all the way back down, and you start over. Oh, thank God. I oh. Yeah, I mean, cry me. Good call. There's still that little grease spot that's on the boulder. Oh, yeah, just in a pocket. But now, <laughs> now with your crit success, you're able to jump on top of the boulder and brace yourself. And because there is that little bit of a grease spot, as you start to push it forward with your feet, it doesn't fully roll forward. It just kind of slides over the lava. So there is now one mm -hmm. streaky patch on the boulder that is magma hot. But the rest of it is still fine to the touch. <laughs> and from higher crevices up above, a warden of sorts, a bipedal creature that is covered in spikes that looks vaguely ape-like in its appearance, though with a long serpentine tail, leans down over the side, eyeing your maneuvers, kind of gives you that little head nod of approval and gives you a tiny <laughs> little golf clap and then ushers you to keep moving. Uh, so he hops back down off of the boulder and keeps on keeps on trucking with it. Okay. As you push the boulder forward and make your way around the corner and up through several of these winding, narrow passes, you pass your way through several others of these lava flows and see continually and increasingly more of these deteriorated husks of souls pass you by before eventually you make your way towards a small cluster of devils that are moderately armored, carrying around these nightsticks and sort of guarding the entrance to this prison. They both silently tilt their head towards the door and point a nightstick forward for you to walk inside. Hey, Dan, completely unrelated, just because I'm thinking about it now, what size class is this boulder? Currently, at least. Currently, I would say large. It started off huge, but it is now three quarters of the size it once was, so I would say by now it has been reduced to a large size category. How many more times do I have to cover for a size medium? You have two out of nine. I would say when you get to four, it would be a medium. Okay. 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 And in the meantime, these officers start to usher you in and you make your way forward into a room that is somewhat isolated from the searing heat that is spiking up around you from this volcanic surface and these lava flows. And you're walking through these very sterile metal halls towards a grand office that a trail of smoke is leaking out of, and that is ushering you into. Why is it none of you devils are able to agree on an aesthetic? <laughs> we have gross, creepy cat man. We have really pretty guy and figure out if it's a guy or a girl with a wonderful metropolis. And now what, what is this? What is this? The adventures compound. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> as you say that, and as you're pushing this boulder forward into the large open office of Glacia, from beneath this trail of smoke that is leading to a very long cigarette holder 
She says in response to you, What this is, is what my father has damned me with. Welcome, I assume you're here for the Boulder trial. I hope when you say trial, you mean the trial that I am currently on concerning the Boulder and not the trial you're going to give me concerning- Nothing so complex as that. I don't share my father's love for the theatrics. No, I, I prefer for things to be a bit more simple and straightforward. It kind of looks around the office. I never would have guessed. <laughs> the most boring, cold. Brutalist. Yeah, very brutalist. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what do you know about my father? He has four horns and he's very, very rude. And he, wait, hold on, hold on. Back up. What was that again? A question. Exactly. Let me try that again. Huh. Kind of grits his teeth. He's a wonderful person, and I very much appreciate his company. And Glacia is going to cast Zone of Truth on you. Whoa! 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 Dan? Dan, I have Zone of Truth. Are you telling me I could have cast Zone of Truth on myself this entire fucking time? <laughs> I am not saying that you couldn't. <laughs> I literally took a zone of truth off of my prepared spell list for today. Oh, that is beautiful. If you just die, I bet he'd let you put it back on. There we go. I'm going to scream. <laughs> so Glacia casts zone of truth and says, I understand you've gone through the cat's lair, so let's not deal with any of that nonsense. Now, what more usable information have you learned about my father? because I've got a few offers before you, and they're predicated on your knowledge of what he is, how he's like, and what he's after. Why is everybody after what your father has? Um, I know that he is concerned about the encroachment of the abyss and how it has affected somebody on the mortal plane and the lack of control that it gives over this person. You're correct in a sense. Control is the ultimate endgame for my father, and I suppose for me, in a sense as well. I do inherit some traits from him. He is a bit more of a trickster than I. Looks at the boulder, never would have guessed. <laughs> a bit of information that you are lacking is that you would not be the first to undergo this trial. It is something of a pet project of his. He sent several souls before you, and none have ever succeeded. They've all been broken or beaten along the way, or been sensible enough to take another path. Another path? You mean there's a different way out of here? I could have gone like the express elevator or something? <laughs> no, those are only available to the designated imps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are. It's funny because we're making references to the campaign that isn't out yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, joking aside, she says, in a metaphorical sense, and she produces a contract that rolls out before you. Of course. Now, a thing to know about my father is that he is very precious about a good many things, but he is also very petty and vengeful, and he is more of a prisoner of this place than anyone in this entire facility. I'm not sure if you're aware, but he cannot come or go of his own volition. He is trapped within the hells unless otherwise summoned by an outside force or entity. So because of that, he really enjoys putting people through the illusion of freedom. Now, what he has offered you is objectively the better deal 
than what I'm about to present. You're making a wonderful case for yourself. You can sign this contract, and your soul is mine. You will be at my beck and call for whatever I ask of you. However, you will be leaving the Hells immediately to return to whatever business you have on the material plane. It is a surefire, guaranteed thing. If you're willing to put the risk that my father has fundamentally changed core personality tenets of himself that have been immutable for eons, then of course his deal is the better path. And you can get my sigil on this boulder and continue this trial that no one before you in all of existence has ever completed. And if assuming everything lines up correctly the way that he has promised it to you, and the way that you think it will go, then of course that's the better deal to take. But do you really think that that deal will happen? Were I to sign your contract, and I was to damn my soul to you, what would you gain out of it? What good could I serve you on the mortal plane? It's less what you can do for me on the mortal plane than what you can do for me down here. Because you've already started stirring things up. And if you do want to stick with my father's contract, then here is the alternate deal that I will propose to you. And she materializes a second contract. I will give you my sigil, and I will help assist you and move along the next peg in this boulder trial of yours. If you help me to destabilize the Hells. This place is very precious to my father, and not at all to me. You are asking me to cause a little chaos as I go along my way then. In a sense, I want you to fan the flames that already exist. See, a vast majority of us who are of higher ranking stature do not have a good relationship with one another. And I've already been pecking away at the tenuous relationships that many of them have. If you can simply accelerate that process, I'll give you the sigil for this pointless trial that you will not succeed. Or you can give me your soul. You will then, in eternity in the afterlife, work for me, helping to torment these souls, helping to destabilize this place that you are opposed to. But I will stay out of your way for anything that you need to do on the material plane for your unfinished business. But just know that once you are done there, and it is your time to die, you will come to me. But you know what you're getting into. As soon as she says to torment these souls, he immediately straightens up, looks her dead in the eyes, and said, I will be swallowed by Set himself before I do that. Yeah, Before I allow you to turn me into a jailer and to a tormentor. I see what you do to the souls here, and you already know how I feel about it. Fair enough. I get what I want either way. Pick your deal. So he goes and he signs the out cause some shit to happen in the hells. <laughs> uh, get a point of inspiration. He signs the little shit stir contract. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was basically already going to do that with Ball. Yeah. So. So the information that she gives you is that Balzabul and Mephistopheles have an undying hatred for one another. 
and the more that you can turn them against each other, the more distracted they will be on any of their other plans. And the same thing for, in the upper layers, Mammon and Dizpatter. Those two similarly have a hatred of one another that she wants you to turn against each other. Fierna and Belial, on their layer, they're going to be a little bit harder to pit against each other because the thing about them is the only people that they hate more than each other is everyone else. <laughs> I love them. Big mean girl energy. Wow. Love it. <laughs> That's great. She does also say that Levistus does have a stronger enmity towards Asmodeus than most of the other devil lords. So when you get to Stygia and encounter Levistus, he has a particular hatred for Asmodeus because Levistus's torment is one of Asmodeus's favorite things. <laughs> okay. I think I could do some stuff for this information. While we're at it, make a charisma saving throw. 21, not natural 20. Your patron still does not get through to you. Wow. Why do I want to roll good on these? This one, um, your patron will get through to you when you fail. Oh, okay. I know, and I keep not failing them. Yeah, but I feel like that's probably there's a reason why that's a failure. <laughs> True. I kind of push the boulder closer to her, and I, she, I still just, he still just has this, like, I don't like you <laughs> look on his face. Like, of all the doubles he even met, the fact that she's the one that offered to make him into a tormentor yeah. really does not sit well with him. And she smiles and puts out her cigarette on the boulder, and the boulder <laughs> reduces by one-eighth of its size. Rad. Sweet. And she says... You don't have to look forward to what you have to do, but I will. <laughs> Was that an above table joke or a thing that you do? God. She snaps her fingers and you explode. <laughs> <laughs> As like the cartoon soul effect is like wiggling away before it makes its descent back to the bottom of the pit, you just hear him with a whisper, what are they? God, Imhotep's so good. All right, let's jump back to the rest of the team. So, as you all pile into the carriage, Marlo is already there waiting for you. Oh, uh, hello. Oh, yeah, you're coming with. Yes, that's right, and I claimed the seat that's not next to the hole in the side. <laughs> yeah. There's a hole in my carriage? And Phantom starts, like, feeling around. <laughs> yes, and I'm not sitting next to it. Now... You've made a wonderfully splendid mess of this town. I don't care what kind of mess you make of Windsor. I just hope that you can learn a few things while you're there. So everybody strap in. Uh, Phantom pulls in a garment bag with a red garment that you all can't see the details of yet, but it's very large and probably is extremely <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> it like takes up a whole seat in the carriage, so we're at max capacity right now. Now... Costumes are not required, but they are encouraged. You will have to wear some form of mask. Oh. So you do what you will, and I'm just going to watch the countryside go by as we make our way to Windsor. Is there any costume that could fit Mary? I could make it fit. Oh, God. Um, oh, man. I'm trying to think. If you want to take a second to think about it, I can do some narration. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have to pass through London before you get to Windsor. You immediately notice that the feel and texture of the town has changed since you left. 
the streets are a little bit emptier, and the people that are patrolling it are a bit more regimented. You can feel that the air is a bit thicker and everything is gloomier. And as you look around, you see that the factory production lines, their smokestacks are billowing out at an accelerated rate. Oh. And smoke is everywhere through the sky and has not quite blotted out the sun. <laughs> but if production keeps up the way that it does, very quickly, day and night will become indistinguishable from one another. You drive your way past the British Royal Museum, and it is boarded up and condemned. Oh, no! As all of the damage that you all caused from your stint there has not been repaired, and it is closed to the public until further notice. Is everything still inside, or is there some sort of thing that says where they're going to keep the artifacts while it's demolished or condemned? Everything at the moment is still inside. It is mostly a keep away notice. Onks and Hamun's fine. <laughs> yeah. I know, I was just going to say. You drive past the burnt remains of the Seward Sanitarium, which has completely been razed oh. to the ground. <laughs> Our greatest hits. <laughs> and the general public still seems to be largely ignoring its existence. There seems to be still some sort of lingering bit of that perception filter. Well, that's good, I suppose. It's fine. And as you start to approach the busier city streets, you pass by the back alleys where you had previously shopped in the black market, and it is completely abandoned and empty. And you pull up through a line of other carriages as you all kind of shirk down in your seats to avoid their gaze. A patrol officer comes up to the window and knocks. Marlo opens the door. Thank God. And will immediately charm person. Yay, Marlo! Well, let's see if he succeeds. Well, it's a 14 plus 10, what? so... There we go. Nice. He successfully, these are not the droids you are looking for as the guard. <laughs> what are droids? <laughs> not us. What you notice through the door as you are stopped, there are a couple of other carriages that have a few coffins spread out throughout them. Ooh. You're nearing where Warwick Castle is, and you're seeing another similar carriage pull out with another identical coffin that is leaving from the castle. There are three of them that you can clock in total. And as you begin to pull off again, Marlow notes, ah, I see he's a little more paranoid than he might have been the last time. It's not keeping all of them in one central location. Oh, what? What's going on? Those are coffins filled with grave dirt. If he ever were to perish, then his body would decorporealize into mist and reapparate in the nearest coffin, where he would regain his strength and return anew. I see he's spreading them out a bit to give himself a bit more leeway. If your plan is to put him down for good, you'll need to do something about those coffins. And, and they're, like, right here right now? God, if we only had a wizard with fireball. <laughs> but I guess that would give us away. That would. I wouldn't worry about our plan <laughs> to deal with Dracula. Hmm. Well, good, because I'm not. <laughs> anyway, as you start to pull away and as they disperse. Yeah, I want to kind of look and see what directions it seems like they're heading in. They spread out in a few different directions. One of them you can clock heading in the general direction of Big Ben. Hmm. <laughs> Hey, look, kids. Big Ben. Another one seems to be keeping pace 
with where you're going, and a third one begins to head south. Hmm, okay. And you split off on the path from this carriage next to you, and as you pull by Warwick Castle, there's been a little bit of redecorating since you left, and along the walkway leading up to the castle entrance, it is lined with pikes that are jutting up out of the ground, and impaled on each of them are all of the vendors of the black market. (gasps) As an example, you make eye contact with the droopy dead eyes of Grimy Greg. (laughs) Oh, you bastard. Wow, all right, way to send a message. And you pull past to the other side of London. You have now made your way past the city. So what kind of costumes you guys want to wear? I don't know. What do we got in this carriage? (laughs) Well, mine's going to be the least surprising. It's going to be a flowing red robe with rolled up shoulders that have little white stripes along them and a cool skull mask and a giant red befeathered hat. (laughs) And it's going to be Red Death Skin Phantom. Heck yeah. Don't fix what ain't broken. Red Death Redemption. (laughs) Uh, shoot. I feel like Larry would try to find something very modest, not very uh, attention-grabbing, maybe just like a little... Oh, no. As a gesture of our shared trust... Oh, crap. Phantom will offer his usual mask, since it's not in use. Whoa! Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Yeah, I'll take it. Hell yeah. I can't wait to see where that goes. Oh, God, I have an idea. Oh, it's going to be so bad for me. Oh, yeah. But I want to see how bad it yeah. is for me. Is the mask kind of gross? Is it a little sweaty? You wear it constantly. I can press the digitate it clean. So obviously I did. It is magically clean. <laughs> okay, I I don't know with you. With all your smacking me in the face with capes <laughs> and the pouring of hot tea on my hands, I don't know if you would intentionally hand me a stinky mask, but I appreciate it. You don't it. want it? Give it back. No, I'll take it. <laughs> I just needed to know it wasn't nasty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess Jack is going to look for... It's a flat-brimmed hat. You know, it's almost kind of like the Plague Doctor hat. Are we all just costuming as different versions of the Phantom? (laughs) (laughs) Are you classic Universal Phantom? (laughs) Actually, you know what? He's going to go with that uh, Plague Doctor mask. Very cool. And then the coat itself, he's going to switch it out for one that has spiked shoulders. Mm. Underneath, it's going to be a gold-lined vest, a white button-up shirt with a uh, very small, thin tie. I've been thinking. And for the mask, it's going to be one of those, I don't want to say triangular, but they're more angled. It's not like a full feature face mask, but it has like two eyes and it's just like a flat face sort of thing. Like a domino? Kinda. I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's an old um, masquerade style mask. But what I was thinking is costume wise, I could wear like some sort of soup and cape, uh, but the suit is two sizes too small. No. And the cape essentially goes down to my lower back <laughs> like a small child putting on clothes that are, I'm way too big for. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, inspiration, if you don't already have it. I mean, I do, but sweet. 
And Marlo has one of those New Orleans style Mardi Gras masks yeah. on a stick. Gorgeous as always. <laughs> to the masquerade, Robin. <laughs> as the carriage pulls up into Windsor, you can see there's general revelry happening on the streets, and everyone seems weirdly disaffected by everything that you've been going through so far. You initially pull up to a sort of a check-in table, for lack of better term, where there are a couple of really obnoxiously bougie vampires sitting in front of a guest ledger. You all make your way out of the carriage, and the bougie vampires say, Oh, yes, Marlo Bronte. It's so good to finally see you around here. We've been expecting you. Yes, yes, I, of course, needed to make an appearance. I would be lying if I said it was good to see you, too, but uh, that doesn't matter. You all know what I'm here for. Oh, yes, yes, we know. Oh, this party you're with is simply scandalous. Yes, they do tend to cause quite a scandal everywhere they go, so um, by decorum, we all need to sign ourselves in. Marlo's going to give his signature on the ledger and is going to look at the female bougie vampire and says, Well, Akasha, it has simply been too long. Have you been keeping abreast of everything that's been going on here? Haven't we heard that name before? I was also going to say that. (laughs) I know, Akasha. Why, yes, I have. And uh, I would be more than happy to share any of my information if you come back to my room for a while. Ooh. Giggity. Well, Maledict's not here. Ah! And even if he were, who the hell cares? (gasps) Oh! Damn. Yeah, because I think they broke up or something. There's also a history of this. Yeah. So he takes her by the hand and begins to walk away and says, I will leave all of you to your own devices. I have a private balcony booth at the opera house. So when the festivities begin, I shall meet you there. How far away would you say is this balcony booth from the stage? Would you say 30 feet? I would say I measured it the other day just to be sure, and it's 120 feet. Damn. (laughs) I'll sign in. Squiggle Dash, the Phantom. Ah. I mean, are we going with uh, our actual names? The Phantom is my actual name. (laughs) Your legal name. (laughs) The police aren't looking for Eric. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Did we see any wanted posters on the way up? Not as of yet, but on your way back you will see some wanted posters. Oh, good to know. I'm going to roll to see if I think of an alias. (laughs) It like held on a 20 for a second and then settled on a two. Lawrence Stewart Talbot. (laughs) I put my full legal name on the docket. I'm going to make mine as doctorally illegible as possible, but it's mostly just going to be the initials IM. But written in that writing a prescription font? Yeah, basically. So you can't even tell that it's I am. (laughs) All right. Actually, I have another thing that I wanted to try and do. I would like to look at the carriage as closely and for as long as I can and look for any hidden compartments or something. I'm not going to make you do any checks or rolls or anything. Yeah, you can you can hide something away inside the carriage. Okay. Um, I am hiding away the Necronomicon. Very nice. 
Interesting. No. No. Don't like that. Don't like you that. You lose my fucking book. I swear to God. <laughs> We're going to come back. The horse and cart's going to be a mutated monster. No one's ever talked to me, so. All right. Well, <laughs> as you make your way around through the town, through the various revelers, there's a lot of eyes on you, but more with admiration than anything else. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> what an absolute scandal these costumes are. You'll simply be the talk of the town with the way you're dressed. I absolutely adore your revelry. Oh, you, you do? What, what part of our uh, revelry are you uh, impressed with? Why, I simply would never be bold enough to wear a mask of the famed serial killer, the Phantom of oh, the Opera. Oh, no. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I'm just feeling scandalous today. Dan, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know how these things are. You gotta make a statement. Well, you certainly have made a statement here today. Sweating, sweating. <laughs> well, assuming I wasn't close enough to hear that, I'm talking to a different patron. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm a. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Aaron flustered. This is new. My whole spot just got blown up. <laughs> I didn't expect that to have as big a splash as it did. It has literally never come up by design, so. <laughs> <laughs> and why do I have to be in the mask? <laughs> well, you're among fancy socialites. <clears throat> so they love it. They're living for it. Damn it all. Uh. So, uh, what's your, f uh, favorite lore of the famed serial killer, the, the Phantom? Oh, no. Because, you know, I've, I've heard so many stories and renditions, but I just, I love to hear what everyone's favorite is. Well, I don't think that anything could compare to the time that he dropped a chandelier over the entire audience of the Paris Opera House. He did what? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> wow! That's crazy, right? Well, I think mm -hmm. that he is the one who's responsible for the fire that burned it to the ground. <laughs> well, that is a good one. I think that it was a scorned lover who did it. Oh. Oh, you're always so overly romantic about these sort of things. I'm, I'm certain that it lines up with his regular M.O. Well, I don't know about that, because there was so much priceless art that was destroyed, and it, it was always a statement of his to show his value of the arts. Uh, that, I bet I did know. Um... <laughs> Wowie, you guys have been great. I just, ah, uh, I just love this. And the one that Phantom is talking to is a guy in a big ol' crescent moon mask that looks kind of like Mac tonight, <laughs> who pulls up the mask, looks over at Phantom, bears a couple of fangs, and says, You're with Lord Bronte, aren't you? Lord Bronte's with me. Oh, yes, yes, fine. But you're an ally of the vampires? Of course. I fed one just the other day, and I roll up like my sleeve. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. So I can trust you. Something real weird's going on with all the people in this town. I mean, how much blood would you say you had drawn? A non-hit die subtracting amount. <laughs> I lost a blood ration. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> I've been drinking this lady with the starfish mask for gallons, and she's just fine. Well, that is fascinating. That's very, 
very interesting. I don't give a shit. Do you know where the <laughs> opera house is? <laughs> uh, inspiration. <laughs> uh, opera house is down here. Perfect. I'll go ahead and take the bait. I'll just uh, stealth and I'm going to go and look for the starfish one. Can I somewhat size her up? Can I see if she is actually human? Um, as far as you can tell, she's human, but there's something off about her. Everything about her seems a little bit, even for nobility, looks a little bit too polished. Hmm. And a little uncanny. Is she like displaying the markings, like where she's been bit? Is she like doing it proudly? Um, you can see at like five different places across her neck are tooth holes. Oh my god. I mean, it was gallons after all. Yeah. Mm hmm. And roll perception. Or no, roll arcana. <laughs> A six. Uh, you don't know what the hell's going on. Fantastic. Um, and Phantom, as you're making your way down to the opera house, you're spotting intermixed with everyone a fair amount of vampire spawn and nobles, and I want you to roll Arcana. I hate to shoot myself in the foot. Literally cannot see. (laughs) Oh, that's right. So, never mind. You're useless to me then. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, and oh, no. (laughs) Are you just feeling your way through? Well, I was going to say, now that I've reached the opera house, through the guidance of presumably a bunch of kindly strangers, can I feel around the outside and using my advanced knowledge of theatrical architecture, find a way inside? I would say you find a back entrance towards the green room. It is locked. I'll sure try to pick it. I have faith. All right, so... You have to get exactly a 17. Oh, fuck me. All right. <laughs> Using a D8. Okay. It's because you're blind that the window is so narrow. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> one. One. Wow, look at my... Ooh. Three, we're at five. Four, we're at nine. Two, we're at 11. One, we're at 12. The suspension is building. One, we're at 13. All ones, <laughs> by the fucking way. <laughs> 720. Uh. So, no, whatever you were using to try to jimmy the lock breaks. Well, I'm going to sulk here for a while if anyone else wants to do something. <laughs> Some of the other socialites around see what you're doing and say, Oh, are you trying to get in to see the famous Miss Daye? I hear our town patron is keeping her expressly under lock and key until the festivities later tonight. I am... I was locked out. I'm her voice coach. Roll deception. It's true. (laughs) It was true. 19. It is true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sure you will be proud to hear of the progress she has made since last performance. I don't have any way of getting inside, but I'll ask around and see if you can get to your precious Christine. I simply am so excited to hear her tonight. I, I hear that she is going to be performing an aria from La Damnation de Faust. No one's excitement (laughs) could be higher than ours, friend. I appreciate you. Does anyone else have anything on the docket? Yeah, Ben, do you want to do any sleuthing? I'm trying to think, but nothing's coming to mind. I guess I'm just going to walk around and try and listen in on some uh, on some conversations involving Dracula. Yeah, hopefully Dracula. So I just go up to the book. I just sign my name as Mary F. And I walk on through to this couple up here. 
All this revelry has been amazing, but I've yet to meet our town patron. The, the host of all of these festivities, I hear he's a vampire. I've heard that there's something even more scandalous going on. I've heard that this fellow made some sort of deal with a devil. And that's where all of these resources are coming from. Well, either way, I don't care. I'm simply here enjoying the fun. Interesting. All right. Oh, well, look at you. This is a very involved costume. <laughs> How do you get yourself to be so tall and yet have everything so slimly fitting? You don't want to know. As <laughs> I just walk away. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and walk up to the uh, starfish lady. All right. And Mary, as you're walking past Jack and this other group further down, the lady with the starfish mask, I want you to roll Arcana. Oh, okay. Because we've all tried so far. Five. I will probably have to come up with a different way to get you that information then. <laughs> you know what? Nah, I'm going to roll my DM inspiration. God damn it. It's a nat one. I will say with your five and your one, you don't notice anything particularly out of the ordinary about this woman. Uh, you see the starfish mask on her face. You see a very almost porcelain-like skin texture that is free of any blemishes or marks. The skin along her neck is perfectly clear and smooth. The skin along her arms has no wrinkles or ridges, and her face is very taut. Uh -huh but nothing that's drawing any sort of suspicion from you. Ben is suspicious, but Mary is just like walking through, just trying to take in all these masks because he's never been to a masquerade ball before. So I'm like, uh, I think this is the punch bowl. <laughs> the high society punch bowl. And then Larry, I see you're making your way over to a couple of gossiping women. Uh, I'll say as I'm walking up, I'm just like, okay, okay. Act natural. Trying to summon up from his childhood of going to business meetings and soirees with his dad of just putting on airs as well as like, all right, I'm dressed as the phantom. I'm an eccentric art man. All right, let's go. And I just kind of sashay my way over. Every now and then he does jazz hands. <laughs> Ta -da, just flurry the cape. Don't be too convincing. These people know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them says to the other, you simply must get your portrait painted before you leave this town. I hear that the art gallery has the most exquisite talent. Well, I don't know. I'm a bit too modest for that, but I'll get one if you do. And then they see Larry swagger on up <laughs> and both fawn over the costume. <laughs> Oh my goodness, this is amazing. What a, this this mask is so realistic. You really put so much effort into looking like a true villain. <laughs> uh, right? You know, uh, using my resources, this should be one of the uh, genuine outfits from the serial killer. Straight from the burnt down opera house. Larry, you snake. <laughs> Um, but never mind me. Uh, I, uh, you know, the mingling is fine, but I was curious about what sort of activities are taking place here. Well, very shortly, we will be assembling at the Grand Opera Hall, and there will be a big performance by the traveling musician Christine Daae. But in the meantime, it's mostly a social gathering. There's some food and drinks spread out at many different places. There's a stage for some dancing a little bit further down. And at the brand new art hall, there's all sorts of exhibits. There's a grand banquet happening there. Ooh. And you can get your portrait painted. They're, they're all the rage these days. Lovely. Um... 
So there's portrait painting, dancing, of course, of course, the opera that's going to happen. Um, so who's who's throwing this big shebang anyways? I mean, we have to have a host after all. Oh, it's a very mysterious benefactor. He's, he's very alluring and so charming, but I simply don't know a thing about him. All I know is he showed up in town a, about a month ago and has really turned the place around. He's charmed his way in through all of the circles and has really made Windsor a place of art and enjoyment. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm so glad I can dabble in the festivities here. Uh, where, where are the portraits being painted, if I might ask? I'm quite a purveyor of art, someone might say, lying through my teeth. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and call a shot because there's something I think Aaron would be interested in. Would Phantom have heard perhaps about the stuff going on broadly as he meandered his way and had to ask kindly strangers toward the opera house? I would say broadly so I don't have to yeah, repeat yeah, yeah. myself. Hey, um, hey, you. And he'll gesture not at anyone in particular, but say it loudly enough to probably draw multiple people's attention. And like four people are clambering over each other to get the attention on them. <laughs> Who's doing these portraits? Oh, there's a whole team of people down over in the art exhibit. There's at least three or four talented painters. But if you really want something exclusive, then you'll have to pay a little bit extra. But yeah, the name. I think I know who it is, but I'm going to need you to say it out loud. <laughs> say it out loud. Oh, would you look at that? The opera is starting. We should, we should make God our way inside. All right, I guess we move inside. All right, now let's hop back to hell and check in on Imhotep. So, you wake up back in Nessus in front of Asmodeus. <laughs> die a second time immediately again as you're flattened by the boulder. Sits up. Oh, look, the boulder! <laughs> and Asmodeus says, I see that you've met my daughter. Lovely girl! She takes out me in many respects, though... Not all the ones I wish. Uh, he kind of stands up. You know, it's not convenient that I have to walk all the way back there, but there is one thing that I can get done while I am here. Ugh. Rolls his back a little bit. You never gave me your stamp. No, and there's a reason for that. It's the same reason why I never had to sign a contract. You're still in the deliberation period. I want to make sure that this deal you're agreeing to is one that you are certain about. So you've encountered many of the other figures in hell so far and can see a little bit of what their politics are like. I simply want to make sure <laughs> that you know for a fact and of your own free will that the devil you know is better than the ones that you don't. God damn it. Yeah, that is so good. <laughs> So I will not ask you to agree on anything until you have completed seeing all of your options and know that mine is the best. Once you get everyone else's seal, then you shall get mine. He kind of looks at Asmodeus and says, implying you are free to meet me in the Vernus. I can move through the hells as I wish. Hmm. But yes, when you reach a verse, and when you've completed the rest of the trials, then we shall sign our contract, and I shall give you my signal. Once you know that the terms we have 
are the best ones you'll get. He kind of gives him a look, doesn't say anything, and just starts pushing the boulder out. Okay. That's all I gotta say to Asmodeus right now. I'm gonna have plenty more opportunities to talk to Asmodeus. <laughs> That's all I've got for right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You make your way out into the barren wastelands that are Nessus. You climb all the way up into Cania. You push all the way back up through the storm and the weathered and battered spikes of magic that are flowing through Cania. Which, by the way, now that you've died, as we've established, death is a long rest. You are no longer under the effects of the previous curses that... I didn't even realize that those were long rests. I just thought that they were permanent. Those are now reset now that you have died. Yeah. Okay, so I have no more curses attached to me. Your spiritual reset. (laughs) Oh my god, I don't have to slurp my feet on the floor anymore. (laughs) But you do push towards the portal back into the laboratory of Mephistopheles, where the wheel awaits for you to receive your next curse. (laughs) Let's spin the wheel, Chansey. (laughs) You got it, bud. Uh, Daniel, please roll a d20. 14. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, <laughs> That's a good sign. Your eyes and ears switch place. You cannot look straight ahead. Oh, that's oh. nasty. Oh, gross. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Oh, that's so gross. Ew. <laughs> yeah, and your eyes are where your ears go. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> so I have my ears on the front of my face now. <laughs> Imhotep immediately just like, just super disoriented. I know, how's your equilibrium? <laughs> like struggling to stay on his feet, body swiveling all over the place because he just does not comprehend. Uh- I want to say that your balance and equilibrium is off, but in exchange, you have 360 vision. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, kind of. His pigtails are going to be flopped down right in front of his eyes. <laughs> That's true. Oh, no. I mean, he can always retie his hair in a different configuration. <laughs> Cute. A little messy bun. He moves them, like, front and back. <laughs> Never. Never. Um, uh, so, so, uh, Nibotep is kind of sitting there spinning, swirling, looking around. Um, there is a portal and then there's the swirling mass of magic, right? They're two different things, right? Nibotep is just kind of like, ooh. <laughs> he kind of turns his head so that he can look. One side is looking at Chansey, the other side is looking at Mephistopheles. <laughs> you know. Uh, when you look at Mephistopheles, he's making biscuits on the stool he's sitting on. <laughs> and Chansey is just eagerly, like, scribbling down notes, so excited about this latest, greatest discovery. Imhotep kind of just puts his hands up, lets the boulder start rolling back down to Nessus. <laughs> <laughs> just yeet yeah. into the magic <laughs> We are not putting up with this bullshit. <laughs> All right, so you instantly die. <laughs> and you know what? Because you threw yourself directly into a swirling vortex of raw, unfiltered magic, mm-hmm. let's change your race. Okay, where is this going? Awesome. <laughs> Roll a d20. 
I have in front of me an alphabetical list of some of the playable races, and I'm just going to count from top down. This is amazing. That's a 20. <laughs> God, let it be a cat. I turn into a taxi. I'm going to scream. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Mummy. Whoa! Yes! We've got the beef jerky back. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Pure coincidence. Wow. You know that feels right with a nat 20. Ooh. How's it feel to be back in your old crispy skin again? Here's a question about that then, Dan. What does that do to my body if the physical and the, the spiritual now match? Oh, That's interesting. Fascinating. I'll mull that over. Yeah, I'm about to say, it's something for you to scheme about. But that's fascinating. Amazing. And there we go. I am now a uh, mummy cleric again. Hell yes. All right, so you recorporealize <laughs> once again back in Nessus. And Asmodeus says, Oh, that was faster than I expected. <laughs> Imhotep sits up, puts a hand onto his forehead, takes a moment, pulls his hand away from his forehead, kind of wiggles his now mummified fingers again. Looks at like the both of his hands. And it's just like, well, that was unexpected. Yes, he's back, baby. On the upside, with me being a mummy, you know what the first thing he's going to do is? He's going to stand up, <laughs> roll his shoulders, kind of look at Asmodeus, dust his shoulders off, pull out the sacred wrappings, and have them start pushing the boulder for him. All right, your Doc Ock wrappings begin to push the boulder uphill. Oh, man. Yeah, buddy. I just kind of got this kind of smug look, as it is now a lot easier for him to push the ball. Like, he's assisting with the push, but now he effectively has six hands pushing As Medeus smiles in approval, and he says, Maybe you will be stubborn enough to see this through to the end. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so, too, because I have a seeking suspicion things are not being held together up, on there, <laughs> up there for, without me. Oh, no. It is, it is an absolute shit show up there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, make you think that. Speaking of, let's jump back to the others. As bells begin ringing out and the front doors of the opera house open up, everyone begins to file in. Did I ever get let in the back? Uh, you did not. Grumble, grumble. Oh, shoot. Jordan, <laughs> did we ever get the bag, like, untricked from Maledict or no? No, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean you didn't? That happened off screen. Oh, sweet. Totally. Oh, I mean, it totally did. I completed my mission like a good, uh, and responsible adult. I totally put adult. bones back in the bag, yeah. Yeah, I totally put it back in the bag. All right, I want to catch up with a phantom and kind of throw my arm around him and go, I heard they're playing your favorite opera today. I know, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, amazing. Can I insight roll that Larry's being shady? Uh, sure, roll insight with advantage. Yeah. They were both 11s on the die, but uh -huh. uh, plus four, 15. Uh, Larry's being a little shady. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Interesting that they're playing your favorite opera. Neat. Larry, stop being like that. It's unbecoming. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, so I guess we pour in. As you make your way into the opera house, everyone begins to file into their seats. You cross paths with Marlo again, who signals for you to head up towards his balcony. Because I don't want to shoehorn you into a specific path, I'll give you an opportunity to try and sneak away. 
Yes. Basically, I want to just like tuck up and like get into the wings somehow for now. I have an idea. By all means. Phantom, uh, why don't we let everyone go ahead? They need to make sure that everything's to be safe for uh, Marlo, right? Sure. I'll hang back with Jack. Sounds good. Uh, go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and chat with Phantom. Heard some interesting information. I just look over and just squint into both of them like... Mm. I want to cast my cantrip message at no! some point to Mary. No! <laughs> Explain. Uh, I cast message to Mary. So he hears in his head alone my voice. And I say, hey, Mary, apparently oh. I'm wearing the mask of a serial killer. Ah! <laughs> and, and if you look at Larry's face, it's completely like placid. <laughs> Inspiration. Thank you. First, I'm like, wait, how am I hearing? I look over to Larry. I'm just like very confused. Like, wait, I can hear your voice in my head. And then the second you say that you're wearing the mask mm -hmm. of a serial killer, my eyes just widen. I'll go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's just, our friend. There's nothing that could tear us apart. La 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phantom. Yes? Need you to tell me what the, uh, what the signal is, because you said you needed our help with something. You know what, Jack? I had a whole convoluted scheme, as I often do. A whole plan. Of course. But you know what? You have shown yourself to be exceptionally trustworthy. So I've got a new plan <laughs> here, and I'm going to hand Jack the con. I'm going to cry, mini. Ooh. I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and turn invisible, walk up to the stage, and activate that conch. That's it. That's all you got to do. And then walk back and hand me the conch. Sounds good to me. If you fuck it up, then it's going to get really interesting. <laughs> well, if I fuck it up. You won't even see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll hear it. But yeah, I mean, that's all I ask of you. I, it would be, I'd really appreciate it. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to call back to Larry. Uh, yes? I'm not feeling too good. I don't like big crowds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a walk and get some fresh air. Ah, okay. Understood. If you need anything, just let us know. And I am still going to take a tech entrance towards backstage. <laughs> okay. So... Larry and Mary, I am assuming the two of you are joining Marlo on the yeah, balcony. we are. Yeah. Jack and Phantom, you are both heading backstage. Yep. I mean, I'm, of course, invisible. The visible patch on your arm is larger than it was before. Oh, my. So roll stealth to cover it up. Okay. Ooh, ooh, 19 plus my modifier, which is a nine. Ooh. Okay, so how do you cover up the visible patch? Um... I try and pay attention to the fact that the carpet is mostly red. And I'll look for a patch of it and I'll just kind of like, you know, gave off a corner of it and then kind of like put it on my arm and then just kind of keep my arm low. So that way, if anyone's looking, it just looks like the carpet is just, I don't know, slightly moving. But of course, when they look back to see if their eyes are bugging out, then they won't even see anything because I'll just be gone already. Fantastic. Have a point of inspiration. Yay. Yay. Generous. <laughs> and just as a reminder, because I forgot, there is the third level of exhaustion. So before I go and do that, I'm going to go ahead and burn, uh, I think it was two charges for greater restoration, at least. So you've used two charges of the Dreamstone. Right. You remove one level of exhaustion. Right. So 
Mary, Marlo, and Larry. Mm-hmm. Marlo takes a seat with you all and says, so there's something weird going on with this town. What I've gathered from the vampires, they're feasting on a lot of the nobles. The lower class still seem to be largely unaffected by whatever's going on, but the nobles have been somewhat of a wellspring of eternal blood. Mm. Even the bite marks begin to fade away after a time. Something very strange is going on. It's been happening since the patron of this town arrived about a month prior. All signs point to him being a vampire, but I I think there's something else going on. Mm. What have you been able to gather and dig up? (sighs) Not a lot. (laughs) I know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. Honestly, Marlo, there's a lot of portrait painting happening here. Apparently, that's a pretty big deal in an activity, along with the opera. All right, well, I'd say keep a better eye out, but for now, let's enjoy the show. Do you have anything to add? No, not really. And backstage, Jack currently has the conch? Yep. Yes. Okay, so Phantom, describe what you are doing, and then I'll cut to Jack. Well, personally, I'm just go- well... Does this theater have a chandelier? No! <laughs> of course it does. Oh. No! How is that chandelier secured to the ceiling? Not well enough. It's secured as well as it could be expected to. It could withstand what a theater building normally goes through. Nobody's expecting someone to try and sabotage it, so... Hey, that sword you never said you were going to use, goddammit. <laughs> well, is it like a knot, or is it like a chain? Uh, it's like a chain. Mm. Phantom versus the chain didn't work too well last time. Then for now, I am conspicuously present in the wings. If Christine makes a too hard of a sideways glance, I'm going to be there. So, Jack, describe to me what you're doing as Christine Daae takes the stage and the music starts to swell. I'm going to get as close as I can, but not on the open stage. I'm going to be hiding behind the curtain, but get as close as I can because I'm not 100% sure on the range. But all I know is that I know Phantom used this in order to steal Rainer's voice. So as you get in range and prepare to use the conch, I will jump over to Phantom. You peer the opening notes of the aria of Berlioz, La Damnation de Faust. And something that you'd been ignoring until now strikes you. This is a mezzo aria and Christine Daae is a soprano. Uh, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm getting played. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack doesn't know the difference. <laughs> and Christine Daae walks out on stage and begins to sing in a very technically good and sound performance, but her voice is strained as she is singing a song not meant for her vocal registry. Would I be able to tell that something's not quite right? This is a very backwards way of doing this, but roll performance. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, If I was doing that, would I do it that way? No. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I am rolling at a disadvantage already. So my first roll is a total of 15. And my second roll 
13 plus 5, so my worst one was a 15. I'm going to say you notice something's weird, but you can't quite place it. Okay. Um, I mean, basically, since I don't have any other information on Christine Daae, uh, yeah, I think I would use the conch. Okay, she is going to make a saving throw. I have no idea what the DC is for the conch. 14, but... But she rolled a 4. Yeah, that 4 is not going to do it. Her voice begins to leave her as it gets sucked into the conch. And so what you have preserved in the conch right now is the voice of Christine Daae permanently in the wrong key. Mmm. Oof. And as her singing comes to a stop, the music harshly cuts off and a spotlight shines on the balcony. As Uh a man walks up behind Marlo, Mary, and Larry and steps out to the balcony. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Draws attention to himself and announces, Thank you for coming, ladies and gentlemen. I do apologize for interrupting such a wonderful performance, but believe me, this is merely a taste of what's to come. I can't be going around spoiling the whole performance before it's fully ready, now can I? Uh... Now, everyone, why don't we all give it up for Miss Daae? What a born performer. It seems as if it comes so naturally. She's perfect. Almost. Anyway. When the full performance is ready, you must all return to see her atop her golden pedestal, and you won't be able to help yourself from worshipping the woman who's mine. But before we get ahead of ourselves, you must all join me at the Grand Banquet Hall. Each and every last one of you is my personal guest, and I, Dorian Gray, invite you in. You motherfucker! Wow. <laughs> I fucking knew it was Dorian Gray! Oh. As this young man, who couldn't be any older than 19, Ew. extends his hands outwards, takes a bow, and smiles at each of you. Staring down on the stage and staring off into the wings, he does not make eye contact with you, Phantom, because he doesn't know you're there, but he looks in your general vicinity. Oh, you can't see him anyway because you're fucking blind. (laughs) Oh, and he sees the two of us. Well, he looks at Marlo, Larry, and Mary and gestures for you all to join him. We are the outcasts, the misfits, you might say. We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste For the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid We know it's awful, dreadful, but we like it Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call The world is falling apart, we'll never take it to heart Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dean Dark, created, hosted, and edited by myself, Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. Special thanks to our patrons, including the OG Phantom, Rusty Halo, Pink Shy Guy, Dire Beast, The Lone One VA, Harley Q135. 
Pyropat, CJ, and Sparks Witty. If you want to join our cult and hear your name entered into the pool of credit shoutouts, as well as get access to our fan Discord, bonus mini-campaigns, and one-shots, then head over to our Patreon and sign up for just five bucks a month. If you want to help us out in other ways, then spread the word to your friends and family, or leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com slash dndark. Dean Dark's cast this episode is Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the mummy, Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the wolfman, Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, and Ben Magnet as Mary, the Frankenstein Monster. This episode also featured Bailey Figure 8 as Dorian Gray. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this episode was provided by John Stoic Dream Venturer, Alexander Lapko, The Ambience Channel, and Luca Longani. Listen to new episodes of DN Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, the name. I think I know who it is, but I'm going to need you to say it out loud. <laughs> say it out loud. Oh, would you look at that? The opera is starting. We should, we should make God our way inside. Oh, all right, I guess we move inside. Because I have that information saved in a sound file that will be what we end the episode all right. on. <laughs> all right, it. let's get there. I think we've got a feeling. You're tearing the player from the character. Our wants are so divided. <laughs> <laughs>